I want to get right into the word of the Lord. I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm getting the service a little bit late, but wouldn't have it any other way. I want God to step in anytime. I'm going to look at what the Lord has given me. It's a passage of scripture that usually is read during the Advent season. And normally it's taught from that perspective. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into that today. And um, we're going to go... Uh, we're going to look at it more closely and hope to unpack a few more things than just those things that are talked about at the Christmas season. Matthew one twenty one, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And for those at home, our online audience, welcome. You're seeing that on your screen. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And then to the book of James four and verse eight. And again, all of our first time guests were so honored you're here and all of those that have come to make Inspire Church, their church home recently. We're so honored you're here. If you have not signed up for membership, I hope you'll do that at the information table. James 4 and 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Father, I pray that you will speak to us. Let your word inform our thoughts and our thoughts which inform our actions. Let them be holy, that our lives may be holy. And I pray that what I teach today, Lord, will somehow create in our hearts, as the song stated a moment ago, room for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Amen. Shout it out loud one more time. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God's getting ready to speak to you today. Would you do that? I want to speak this morning from the subject, the theology of presence, the theology of presence. We have been talking about miracles and especially about creating the atmosphere for a God encounter in which miracles can occur. That's because miracles are more apt to happen during an encounter with God than in any other time. You might ask why that is. It's because a miracle is literally something that is beyond the ability of we who are mortals to accomplish. It means the agency or the action or intervention of a supernatural power. A miracle occurs when God intervenes in a situation to change, as you've heard me say in this series, it's predictable outcome. You know what I mean by that? That's when the doctor says COVID, they're on a respirator, uh, lungs are destroyed, we can't do anything. Get ready, that kind of thing. Or you have stage four cancer and the doctor says, we have done all we can do. We recommend palliative treatment from this time forward. And then what God does is he intervenes and he changes the predictable outcome into something that would not have occurred without him. I'm convinced that deeper worship leads to God encounters. And there are depths and levels of worship. There are times when we are family members or someone we may know will truly need a miracle. The enemy 
Flat does not want you to know how powerful God is in today's world. He doesn't want you to know that God is still capable of doing everything he ever could do. The truth of Christianity and the truth about Christianity and God's word is that they are always under attack. The enemy wants to create doubt in your mind about the things of God and the things of faith. We live in a very divided world, don't we? And the enemy is behind that division. The world is divided between the spirit realm and the natural world. It's divided between good and evil. It's divided between light and darkness, between political persuasions. It's divided between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of men. And because of this, people say, hmm, I can't receive from this person or from her because they aren't my denomination. They're not my gender. They're not my persuasion or they aren't my age or they're not part of my culture or they are Pentecostal or they're Baptist or they're not Pentecostal or they're not Baptist. And that hurts us because it limits what God can do for us through others. And I've been deeply burdened for God to do miracles in this time in which we live. I mean, clear works that are works of his grace that are supernatural. Because I want the world to know the Savior I serve. And I want them to know that with all of the advances of science and technology, they don't come close to doing what God can do. Not even near it. I want him to show himself as God. An encounter... In reality, with God is a miracle in and of itself when you stop and think about it. Though it falls into a different category than what we normally would put a miracle into. Most of the time, miracles to us are, well, if God parts the Red Sea, miracle, got it. Okay, if God heals someone of stage four cancer, miracle, no doubt. And then... If God provides supernatural provisions when there was strictly no way that we could have had access to them or resolves an impossible situation, miracle. Yeah, we get that. But there are some miracles that fall into an altogether different grouping. And that is when God divinely interacts with mankind And reveals himself to them. As Andrew preached recently. Some in a great message by the way. I was out of the country. But tremendous message. And he stated that some some encounters with God. Let me phrase that right. Some encounters with God. Are by God's intention and design. And he takes the first step. And without any warning. Without any announcement that he's going to do so. Wham. Shows up in Abram's life. Meets Jacob at a place called Luz. Or Moses at a burning bush in the desert around Horeb. We don't find any history that preceded those, as it were, encounters with God. There may have been, we just don't know about it. We don't always know his reasons for showing up unexpectedly, but he does. But most oftentimes, God shows up when people seek him. And that is why the Bible said, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Amen. The word Emmanuel used by the angel is in response to the Jewish prayer for the Messiah to come for 
thousands of years and he appears to Mary. Or I'd say thousands of years, 2,000 years approximately. But actually the crying, groaning of creation since Adam was expelled from the garden. And who knows when that was. Amen. And the angel appeared and told Mary, you're going to call his name Emmanuel. That word is used three times in the Bible. It's found in Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah 8 and 8, and here in our text in Matthew 1 and 23. And it means God with us, or literally with us is God. It first of all means that God is on our side. And oh, praise his name for that. Amen. I'm so glad God's on our side. Because if God can be for you, who can be against you? But it means more than just that. It means that God's presence literally is with us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to have an encounter with God, I want to talk to you about how that happens. Uh, You say, I thought this series was on miracles. It is, but as you've noticed, I've approached it from a different perspective. Everybody seeks miracles, but they don't seek the miracle worker. And I'm contending that if we seek the miracle worker, that miracles are more likely to occur then. It's in his presence that miracles take place. And so we're going to talk about the theology of presence. To understand the theology of presence, we must understand what Adam lost in the fall that was lost not just to Adam, but to all of us. When Adam sinned, it was because, this is so critical, he listened to the wrong voice. I'll circle back around and talk about that in a few minutes. Because he listened to the wrong voice, he lost a a whole number of things. There's a sermon I do on, on 12 things that he lost. I don't even know how many Adam lost. That's just the the ones I talk about in a a message that I usually use training ministers overseas. But we as descendants have had to live without these things because of Adam's poor decision, his poor choices. He made decisions that cost not only him, but cost us. And that's the way life is, isn't it? We do things that don't just cost us, they cost those around us, the ones we love as well. Of course, by far the most important thing that Adam lost is relationship with God. But there were other things that he once possessed that are also important. And losing those hurt us. First of all, he forfeited the mind or the knowledge of God. Think about that. When Adam was created, he was programmed with the knowledge of God. Everybody makes a big deal about the animals being called to Adam so that God could see what he named them. As though Adam named them names that came to his thought or his mind. I I wonder if we misunderstand that. I kind of think what God was doing was, you know, a little quality check on the man he had just created. So he brought a giraffe to Adam and said, well, if he calls him an ostrich, we've got a problem here. But Adam called them by the names. He was programmed with the knowledge of God. What God knew, he had placed into the mind of Adam. Adam also lost divine sight. This is extremely critical. I truly believe that Adam could see into the spirit realm as clearly as he could see the natural realm. And when he sinned, I don't know if it dumbed that down, tamped it down, suppressed it, dulled it down. I don't don't know if that's what that happened or if it was just... completely walled off 
But Adam no longer could see into the spirit dimension the way he once had been able to see into the spirit dimension. He lost that ability when he sinned. And people are always looking for shortcuts to reconnect with the spirit world. I know that to be a fact. Man is incurably religious, but he often wants God at a discount. He wants to pay bargain basement prices for a relationship with God. And if there's one thing that never gets marked on sale, it's a relationship with God. It costs Christ everything and it will cost you everything. Amen. And rather than being born again to satisfy man's deepest longings, people look for shortcuts. And these days, that basically, I think, is all about some of these recreational drugs that people take. I mentioned that just very briefly one time and then taught from it the other day during an importation class to sons and daughters in ministry. But there are recreational drugs they're taking, DMT, which is dimethyltryptamine, uh, dimethyltryptamine, psilocybin, for example. These are drugs, and people go on these trips, and, and they see into the spirit world, and they all come back seeing the same thing. They see serpents, they see things that look like Hindu deities like Shiva, and they see things like Aztec gods, and so I'm serious. And they all come back telling the same stories like they went somewhere and they saw what was out there. And and this guy on this end of the nation went there and he saw what the guy on the other end of the nation saw. And the one in Europe and the one down in South America or Latin America. That's because I fear that what they're doing is they're tapping into the spirit realm by the use of these, these psychotropic drugs And you hear Joe Rogan talking about it, Rashad Evans, the former heavyweight champion of the UPC, Mike Tyson, former heavyweight boxing champion, Tony Robbins, the great motivational speaker. They're all talking about this and tons of others. And the reason I mention it now is once it reaches that level and the creme de la creme, you know what I'm talking about? The celebrities start doing it. Guess who's next? Our kids. And I don't want that to happen. Because you see, when we talk about seeing the serpent, I'm not, I said this before, and you're going to have to just, you know, you can have your own idea. I'm not sure that what Adam saw was a physical serpent. And the reason I'm not sure about it is because Satan is the ultimate shape shifter. He was the serpent in Genesis. He's like a roaring lion, according to Simon Peter, the great dragon, according to John in the book of Revelation, an angel of light, according to Paul. And what I I think may be happening and what could have happened rather with Adam is that he saw into the spirit realm. It is described that he saw a serpent. And I don't know in what form the enemy chose to appear, But the reason I wonder if it was a physical serpent, it could have been, because I I know that Satan can inhabit creatures other than human beings. Look at the herd of swine. But uh, you remember the story. Um, If you don't, it's whenever Jesus cast the demons out of the demoniac at Gadara that was named Legion, they all went into a herd of swine and they committed suicide. Ran down the the steep hill into the sea and drowned themselves. But the reason I'm not sure that it was a physical being is for this reason. God said that because of what you did, the seed of the woman will bruise your head. 
and that you are going to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Well, the heel of the seed of the woman was bruised literally or physically, I should say, in the natural sense. And that Christ, which is what that prophecy was talking about, died on the cross for us. But when do you ever see Satan getting beaten, beaten up by the enemy in the natural realm? You don't. That happened in the spirit dimension. And so how do you know that serpent wasn't something that he was seeing in the spirit realm? And so Adam sees this thing, eats the forbidden fruit, whatever that might have been. Oh, I'm not even going to worry if it's an apple or a quince or whatever it might have been. But I know that three times in the New Testament, the word sorcery is used. And the Greek word for sorcery is formakia, the word that we get our word pharmacy from, where you get your medications and that's in Galatians 5.20, Revelation 9.21, Revelation 8.23. And in those days, a sorcerer wasn't a psychic who hung a sign out and whose name was Madam Butterfly. Come here and I'll read your palm for $20. That wasn't a psychic. A psychic were people who took drugs and could see into the spirit dimension. That's who Balaam was. And that's why God said, get them out of the land because they are providing an alternate way to look into the spirit dimension that precludes and excludes a relationship or it excludes rather a relationship with God as the means whereby you can see into the spirit dimension. And there are all kind of folk looking for an easy way to do this. And, and they come back and they say, oh, I went on this trip, ayahuasca, uh, philocybin, smoked the toad. That, that's a popular term. Uh, did DMT. And they say, I felt so peaceful. And when they say that, I want to say run. Because Satan is transformed into an angel of light. That's not God. I need a better response from somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. And I fear where those things are leading. It's just, it's not a good place. And there are even software developers. If you go on YouTube, I'm not telling you to do this, but they've been on these, these psych, you know, these psychotropic trips with these drugs like DMT and they come back and then they design a software where they can literally show you what their trip looked like. And you know what they're all full of? Snakes. Oh yeah, that sounds very peaceful to me. Snakes crawling all over. Ah, exactly what I want to experience. Not on your life. Amen. And that's why I say I just wonder if maybe what Adam saw might have been in the spirit realm. He lost that ability. Adam also had divine hearing. He could hear the voice of God audibly. I didn't say the audible voice of God. I said the voice of God audibly. There is a difference. Additionally, Adam once possessed and enjoyed divine health, but he lost that in the fall. He didn't need healing because he had divine health. Death, which sickness is a part of, didn't even exist then. Not only that, he also lost divine authority over earth. And we've been in a mess ever since then. And he lost the use of unlimited resources in the garden. It was an unending season of constant harvest and fruitfulness. 
And then with Adam's sin, he lost for all of us the ability to walk in continual harvest. And only because of the accommodation of grace, we have one season of harvest a year now. Had it not been for grace, the earth literally would have only brought forth thistles. But because of grace, we were able to earn our food by the sweat of our brow. We need to understand the spirit dimension. You're more spirit than you are flesh. But people are confused. And they often think the spirit realm and the natural realm are separated and are poles apart. Indeed, universes apart. And they're not. They think of heaven and the spirit world as existing far away while I live in the spirit dimension. And they believe that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which are two terms often used interchangeably, they think that that's coming when I die or the rapture takes place. No, no, wait. I want to correct some things here today. Instead of the spirit dimension being far away, both the unseen world and what is the natural world, or the unseen world of the spirit and the natural realm in which we live that is visible. They actually exist together and overlap one another. And you need to know that. They occupy two dimensions of the same space. And that's not unscientific either. Einstein theorized years ago that due to the curvature of light and space that the farthest point in the universe go way out there and light is curving and bending and so is time. That the farthest place out there is actually right here beside you in an alternate dimension. And because of all of this, not understanding the spirit realm, some of us believe that God is far away. Hey, you up there. Can you hear me? And actually, he's as close as the mention of his name, as the old song goes. Amen. And there's two things you have to understand about the presence of God. First, you have his omnipresence, which is one of his attributes. No matter what part of the universe you go to, God is there. I don't have time to build on that. But in addition to his omnipresence, you also have the manifest presence of God. The omnipresence of God you might not even be aware of. But the manifest presence of God. When that shows up, you become immediately aware of it. It's what Isaiah saw in the year King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. It's what Moses saw in the mountain with God. It's what all of Israel actually saw. And I'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. God did not intend for us to live without his presence. And when Adam failed, God set about to reclaim mankind for and to himself by redeeming man from sin and its consequences. It was God's intention to be in relationship with man again. Oh my God, my time is, ooh, it's running. As subjects of God's kingdom, we need to understand what the kingdom of God is about. Amen. The kingdom of God is so important. And let, let me jump ahead because I've, I've got to get through this. So the question is, in the middle of all of this, before I tell you what the kingdom is actually about, it's what voices do you listen to today? Because those voices will determine what you think. 
And your thinking will determine your actions. It's really important. You see, the voices you listen to will determine your values and beliefs. And your values and beliefs will determine your choices. And your choices will determine whether or not you're on a path to encountering God. In a way that is manifest and real. Well, to say it like Paul said at 1 Corinthians 14.10, there are, it may be so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification. Let's count a few of the voices. You do wrong, you hear a voice. That's the voice, voice of morality or conscience. There's also the voice of education. It's what you're being taught in schools or university. Culture has a very powerful voice. There is the voice of the media. That is constantly going 24-7. Even when your TV is off and you're talking to someone else, they've been influenced by the voice of media and now they're influencing you by what they say. Because your friends have voice. Your family has voice. Hollywood has a voice. Social media has a voice. The voice of your parents is significant. And there's the voice of God. And here's my point. One reason that people don't have God encounters is because many of the voices that are speaking to them are openly hostile to the voice of God and the things of God. That in turn, simply because as I said, the voices you listen to will determine your values and your beliefs and then your values and beliefs will determine your choices and that determines whether you're on a road to a God encounter just because of that one fact right there. The wrong influence in your life can do huge damage to your ability to experience an encounter with God. You see, as I told you earlier in this series, faith and obedience move God to act, not need. There's need all around us. There's famine, there's disease, there's pestilence, there's cancer. We got this, the hospital complex here in Houston is the largest in the world. A million people in it. MD Anderson and all the others. People come from around the world. If need moved God, there would never be another case of cancer. And those things grieve him, but that's not why he acts. He makes himself available, but he responds to faith and obedience. Can somebody in the building say amen? And if I can be real frank with you and I think you're, 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 you're wanting to hear truth all those voices that I mentioned a while ago most of them are pursuing an agenda altogether different from what you're pursuing they really are amen you see the agenda they pursue doesn't have God or Christians in it they'd like to see Christianity Cease to exist or at least get watered down until it's, it's like a glass of hot tea when all the ice is melted in it. Who wants a taste of that? Amen. As I'm sure you've probably heard, the new Superman is bisexual. Oh, you didn't know that. Do you know the new Spider-Man that's coming out is bisexual? You see, I believe in loving everybody and treating everyone with honor and respect because they are made in the image of God. You don't have the right to treat anybody wrong. Amen. 
But it is not right for others to set the agenda for our children and our families. And that's my point. So if you don't have a voice that balances out all that stuff and you try to dial out those wrong voices, you're going to end up hearing things and then you're going to believe them because the voices you listen to inform your values and your values inform your actions. And so Jesus came to create the kingdom of God. What's that all about? The kingdom of God was that we would have a place To get a fresh start and recover what Adam had lost. He said that we should even pray thy kingdom come. If we were to believe it's the rapture, then we'd be praying, oh Lord, come get me out of here. Or let me die so I can go to heaven right now. Uh, You don't know too many people wanting to catch the next bus, do you? Amen. So that begs the question, what is the kingdom of God then? First, it's not a destination. Jesus told that to Nicodemus, I'm paraphrasing. In John 3, verses 1 through 8, Nicodemus came to Christ by night. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Sounds great, but it's wrong. Christ wasn't a teacher come from God. He was God come to teach. Big difference. Anybody still here? Y'all listening? Amen. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus then asked, well, how can I be an old enter again into my mother's womb? And Jesus said, you must be born of water and spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. And then in verse 8, this profound statement, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. You can't see the wind, but you see the effect of it. And Christ said, when the kingdom comes, you're going to see the effect of the kingdom in the lives of the people that are a part of the kingdom. So what is the kingdom? Amen. Luke 17, 21. Indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is in your heart. And it is a, get this now, a new way of thinking and acting. Because in scripture, the heart was not the fist-sized muscle in your chest that pumped blood. It was the seat of your emotions, your will, and your intellect, your thinking. Being in the kingdom of God, I want you to listen because this is so crucial. Being in the kingdom of God means you experience a comprehensive change in the way you think about and view life. A change in the values you embrace and in the things that matter to you. Wow. And the only way that can happen is you need all of this that you can possibly get. All of the word of God you can receive. Amen. Paul said it like this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And very many people get saved and born again, but because they don't set about to reprogram their thinking with this, they keep the old thinking in the new computer, the old software, 
and they wonder why their lives don't change. And as I've told you time and time again during the years, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thinking. Ooh, somebody say, ouch. And that is why Paul is constantly trying to get believers to understand the need to be renewed in their minds. Romans 12 and 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wow. It's amazing how many people think they can believe the same way they always have. And then everything's going to change in their life. You see, whether it's the quality of your family life, the quality of your financial life, your social or emotional life, or your spiritual life, or any of the seven areas that comprise who you are, the quality of your thinking will determine the quality of the life you live in those seven areas. Everybody thinks. Everybody. Just not everybody thinks equally. And as I close... You say, how do I apply what you're saying, pastor? If I want a God encounter, number one, be careful who or what you allow to influence your thinking. Now, you don't have to do what I do. I don't watch TV, period. I haven't almost two years and am loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it. Amen. You can watch it, but I sure would be careful about watching stuff that pumps the wrong voice into your spirit being. Number two, do be intentional in seeking the right voice. We have all these voices speaking to us and you can't really avoid many of them, can you? But you can prioritize listening to the right voice. And by that, uh, let me say it like this. Every denomination likes to think it has, quote, the truth. I came from a denomination that had the truth. The truth. You don't. We do. The truth. Oh, y'all came from that denomination too. You at least visited. Amen. But truth isn't a set of doctrines. It's a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How do you go about prioritizing the right voice? Build a devotional relationship with God. Take time to do it daily, daily. And do you know it's never been easier to have a daily devotional life than it is right now? All these people protest said, it's, it's so hard. It's so, the truth is it's never been easier. Look at my phone, this iPhone. I've got a ton of Bibles on my iPhone. I've got my Strong's Concordance. I've got Bible encyclopedias on my phone that I've downloaded. I've got Google where I can pull up just about any commentary out there. I've got all that right here on my phone. I've got worship music that I can listen to. In fact, I do. When I pray during the week, I have a program set list that plays. And I I listen to a number of songs in the course of a week and I'm worshiping God. And well, if that's not enough, 
There are all kinds of churches online. I can go to church every day of the week and, and I can listen to a message and a sermon. And you get my point? It's never been easier to have a devotional life than right now. But on the other hand, it's never been more challenging because we're so busy. There's so many things to do. All this calling for our attention and come spend some time with me and come fix this. And, you know, all of this kind of stuff and a thousand different things beckoning for our attention. And here's where you have to make a decision. Not only be careful in who or what you allow to influence your thinking, be intentional in seeking the right voice by prioritizing your relationship with God. Don't take him for granted. Amen. Nothing interrupts my devotional time in the morning. Oh, I, I know. Uh, we're tired. We, we stayed up late last night watching the Astros lose. That's not even funny. <laughs> and so you know what we do? I can't do my devotions this morning. I'll do them this evening. We come in in the evening and a thousand things go wrong. And the next thing you know, another day is going by without having spent time with Christ. And if you really want to have a miracle in your life when you need one, you have to keep Christ close. Prioritize your relationship with him. Amen. Don't just be satisfied with the omnipresence of God. Seek the manifest presence of God. And one of the things, and you're going to think I'm boasting, but I'll close with this. The only reason that we know what Moses experienced on Mount Sinai when he was alone with God on those two occasions, 40 days each time, is because Moses wrote it. The Lord dealt with me about that. Because some things the Lord has done are so sacred. When I saw the heavens open in that encounter we had with God, and they were literally open like like a scroll would open. There are some things I cannot tell. And for years, I would not talk about any of it in the United States. It's crazy. I had liberty to do so overseas, but here within this country, no. And that's because I've seen so many people that have been involved in moves of God get ego in the way. And it's all about my flesh. My flesh must have been holy. So God showed up. Now your flesh is still flesh. John Osteen told me that years ago. He said the problem with spirit-filled believers is they try to make flesh become spirit. And it never will be anything but flesh. I was praying the Lord said you can talk about it so I shared a few things the other night some things I never will share but I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want anybody to think I'm boasting because you're looking at somebody that like Paul chief of sinners when you have an encounter with God it makes you realize how pathetic this stuff is right here how flawed it is The 
Lord said, it's okay. The reason that everybody knows about Moses is because he had to tell it. There wasn't anybody else to tell it. He had to. And so he came back and told the story. And one of the things that, and I close with this, that I'm going to share with you. Don't think anything special about me because I'm not. But since we had that visitation of God those years ago, even when I have messed up, when I have done things that are wrong, I'm going to say it when I made mistakes, but even when I sinned, I sensed his presence right there beside me. There is a place where you can live in the manifest presence of God. And the third thing is this. Always be open to changing your thinking. That it can align with the teachings of the word of God. Would you stand with me? Thank you for giving me and us in worship today a few extra minutes. Every head is bowed. At home, would you bow your heads also? If there's someone in this building that needs Christ in their life, would you raise your hand right where you are and say, pray for me, pastor. I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see so many hands raised on the risers. Keep them raised for a moment. Continue to raise them. God bless you near the front. God bless you. Father, I pray right now that every precious soul that raised their hands a moment ago and those at home who raised theirs that you will save them and come into their hearts forgive us of our sins Lord forgive us of our wrongs which are too numerable to count and cover us by the blood of Jesus because we believe in the power of the blood we believe in the cleansing efficaciousness of the blood of Jesus. We receive you as our King and Savior today. And we invite you to sit on the throne of our lives and teach us how to walk in the Spirit and be a part of the kingdom of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. And now let's give everyone that prayed that prayer an applause of welcome into the body of Christ and say thank you you're taking your very first steps your very first steps how glorious is that but please do three other things if you would amen you'll see a QR code on the screen behind me I'll explain it in a moment but number one get baptized number two be filled full of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And number three, become a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ and get connected to a body of believers that loves the Word of God. And we'd love for that to be right here. Amen. And so if you go to that QR code, you can text a prayer request. You can let us know you just gave your heart to the Lord. You can make an appointment for baptism. And if you want to become a disciple... You can text the word JOIN to the same number or go to the QR code. And you can sign up for a daily devotional that I write every single day that we send out to over 2,000 families now. And you can start your day the way all of us do in devotions. And I promise you, your day is going to be different when you do. 
And now while every head is bowed, because I really feel the Lord in this place. I really feel the Lord. You see, knowing Christ is the best thing that has ever happened to me. You say, well, I already already know Christ. I got that taken care of. Yeah, but listen to what Paul said. Paul said that I may know him in the, the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. He was already a believer. He met Christ on the road to Damascus in a divine encounter. But he said, I I want to know him more. And the one thing that I have learned in walking with God is the more I know him, the more I want to know him. I want to know him more. Would you sing it, Duran? Sing this with me before we go. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. you that when we sing we just lift our hands and sing to the Lord would you like to try that right now with the words of that song because I want to tell you what my prayer for you in the auditorium every day here at this church is I pray for your health I pray for your finances I pray for your families and your your marriages and I pray for your jobs and your businesses. I pray for God to touch your kids. I pray for them to have an encounter with God. But then I pray, help us to know you, Lord. Help us to know you. What we have tasted has been so good that I want the rest. I'm just letting you know right now. I want whatever else there is, God. I want more of you. I don't want to live one moment. I don't want to live a fraction of a second without him right beside me, knowing that he is near God, develop that in us. Develop that in us. And so would you try that with your hands raised? And we'll sing it one last time.